that was a magical moment. Those two, you know, I, I don't think anybody could party those two guys, party harder than those two guys did in Donnyville that weekend. But yes, they were the first and only time ever uh, that the log has been pulled by something other than a bike. And yeah, they they strapped the rope across the shoulder, um, got the rollerblades on, and man, I thought, no way. There's no way that this is ever going to happen. Welcome to Trail Effect. I'm your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. We are back with a bonus show featuring Marty Scheel, the voice of the Downeyville Classic, and the new Dirt Magic podcast. As expected, Marty adds a bunch of entertaining stories to this conversation as well. Cooley Creative is the title sponsor for this episode. They design and build custom websites and help companies with branding, photography, and e-commerce. Cooley Creative was started in Wisconsin, but is now based out of Bend, Oregon. Jared from Cooley Creative is a friend of mine. We've traveled together on multiple mountain bike trips, and sometimes he sends it. For more information about Cooley Creative, head over to www.dojustsendit.com. Yes, that's right. www.dojustsendit.com will get you to the Cooley Creative website, so check it out. One of my favorite articles of clothing this winter has been the Foley Zipper Hoodie from Kettle Mountain Apparel. This zipper hoodie is as functional as they come, yet offers the comfort of your favorite stuffed animal as a child. The people behind Kettle Mountain are mountain bikers, hikers, trail runners, and travelers. You can purchase the Foley Zipper Hoodie and all the other fine Kettle Mountain Apparel products at www.ketlmtn.com backslash josh or hit the link in the show notes, and you will also be supporting the Trail Effect podcast in the process. I'd like to take a moment to thank all the listeners and guests who have taken the time to share the Trail Effect episodes on their social media accounts such as Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, along with tagging Trail Effect in their posts. This has helped a lot more listeners find the Trail Effect podcast. Please keep up all the sharing, commenting, and tagging of Trail Effect. I'd also like to thank all the listeners and guests who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. Now on to the Trail Effect with Marty Shield. Here we are today on Trail Effect. We have a bonus ep- episode with Marty Scheel. Marty is the host of the Dirt Magic podcast, which is based out of the La Sierra, aka home of the Downeyville Classic. But he's also the voice of the Downeyville Classic if you're there in person. And he's the partner and sponsor coordinator for the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship. How's it going today, Marty? Oh, uh, it's going great, Josh. And uh, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Oh, for sure. And like we were talking about before I hit record, you have such a great voice for radio. It's I knew when I, the first show I listened to, I'm like, this is not his first rodeo. It might be his first podcast. This is not his first time on a microphone. Yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've spent a little time behind a microphone and, you know, my mom uh, always thought growing up I'd be a doctor because my penmanship is is horrific and, which is unfortunate for my two children now because, uh, you know, they've got my genetics in them and, and I'm sure it's a struggle in their classrooms, but she thought for sure, she's like, well, I can't read your writing. You're, it's got to be a prescription. So you're going to have to be a doctor. Um, which ended up not going down that path, but yeah, definitely through, through life, you know, was never afraid to to stand in front of a crowd and talk, you know, speech class. I would always, you know, hand up first. I'm there, you know, I'm going first. 
Yeah. And, and the Donnyville Classics, what really started it, though, believe it or not. So, I mean, way, way later on in life and just as a fluke, the opportunity arose. And I said, well, you guys, I'll help you out this year. And, uh, you know, get, give me the mic. I'll jump on it. And uh, the rest is history. <laughs> Let's get into the Dirt Magic podcast. Like, what was the impetus be- behind starting this podcast and kind of the backstory with that? So originally, um, you know, going back uh, to March of 2020, um, when everything shut down and, you know, we, we knew something was coming and, and, you know, things got serious and, and we had some pretty serious discussions within the Sierra Beachfield stewardship, uh, our events team, uh, knowing that our events were most likely going to be canceled. Everything was up in the air and we needed a way to be able to, to continue the communication with, with our people, with our good people, our volunteer army, our partners, our sponsors. And we are such an in-person organization, anywhere from a trail work day where we may have, you know, 10 people come out to a mountain epic weekend where we've got a hundred plus people, uh, our events where we've got thousands of people really in person. And, and those conversations to get our message across of what we do with the Sierra Beach Trail Stewardship, uh, trail building, philanthropy, the organization itself, and of course, you know, future fun events. And that basically, as you know, it all stopped. And boy, we were in, you know, it was emergency mode, you know, looking at the lost and found right off the bat, having to cancel that, you know, we, we needed avenues to, to stay in communication with our people because we knew eventually it was going to come back. Uh, but for us losing events and in-person trail days, you know, everything, we needed an avenue and, and something that would engage folks. And, and the podcast came up and of course, you know, the, the bullseye was on me right off the bat. Well, Marty can do that. He's a radio DJ. He can, he can do a podcast. So yeah, that, I mean, that, that's, that's how it started. And it was basically, so we could still bring, you know, large groups of people together, you know, just not face to face, you know, in the early days, ah, video podcast was, was potential, um, or audio, but, um, yeah, the, the vision was, was basically to 15 or 20 minutes, pick a subject, you know, let's find some folks from staff, partner, sponsors, super volunteers, those folks we're not going to see in the coming months, you know, at that point. And uh, yeah, let's let's get them live. Let's get them recorded. Keep the conversation going and keep people engaged because we knew at some point we'd come out of it, and we didn't want to just be a ghost town, you know, for for what would have been now over two years, which would have been it would have been the end of us. With that, your your new podcast talks about it's the Downeyville sessions right now. But is there going to be other sessions besides the Downeyville sessions? Are you going to make this basically all things Lost Sierra? Well. We certainly hope so. And if we get uh, a good feedback, and, and right now, so far, it's looking pretty good. Although anything that's attached to the Downeyville Classic, especially the return, the 25th anniversary, you know, after a hiatus since 2019, it's it's pretty easy to engage people <laughs> when it comes to, to the Downeyville Classic. So the Downeyville sessions, uh, we felt would be a good way to get our feet wet uh, with the podcast, uh, tell stories of the good people of the Downeyville Classic, uh, beginning from day one, you know, when it was called the Coyote Classic back in 1995, and really reaching out to those that helped create it, uh, volunteers, uh, pro riders, champions, um, non-pro riders, the locals of Downeyville, you name it. Any person that's had anything to do with the Downeyville Classic, we're reaching out and just trying to get those stories. Because it, it's just such a it's a dynamic place, Downeyville, and it changes your DNA. It really gets, it infects you. If you want to say it that way, that's, I guess we can say that now after the, the internet's officially said the pandemic's over. So I know we're good to go, but yeah, Downeyville infects you in a way that, that keeps you coming back. So we knew that the Downeyville sessions, um, storytelling would probably, uh, 
probably be pretty successful. On our 20th anniversary, we did storytelling within our our writer magazine. You know, basically a a thin newspaper rag, uh, 10,000 copies. You know, mostly for writers. It had the maps, had our sponsors in it for the Downeyville Classic. But we had staff members, and the same thing, pros, volunteers, give their most favorable moments in print of the Downeyville Classic, and that was a huge hit. So we figured, you know what, this will this will probably work. So yes, we do plan to go further as long as we get good response, and I can keep selling it. <laughs> then, then Dirt Magic will become the podcast, and we'll talk everything trails. You know, definitely not copying what Trail Effect does by any means, but but down that pathway, and, and it's an important pathway for folks to understand what we do. And you know, not everybody's on social media, not everybody's a Facebook junkie or Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're on TikTok, we're not really there, but who knows? I mean, th- that could be that TikTok could be canceled pretty soon in the United States. But we figured a podcast would be a way to reach out, tell a story. Let people at least hear, you know, the voice of the person behind the mic, and eventually go video. Yeah, we'll we'll have some fun with video too as as we move down the move down the podcast pathway. Yeah, the video thing, I've uh, I've kind of been. I'm not going to say resistant to it, and I don't want to say ne- never say never. It just isn't in my personal bandwidth right now. And as we were talking also before off the air when we were not recording, podcasts to me are something I can consume when I can't consume something visually, but I do really appreciate the podcasters that are putting their stuff on YouTube. So I can see it go both ways. Yeah, it, and it does. And it's it the the sword cuts, you know, both ways because, you know, I mean, I listen to a lot of, you know, crime podcasts and and some of which are based on actual TV shows, you know, from major networks. And it's different because you are literally listening to the raw audio from the show, which was based on video. I mean, it's a TV show. So that changes the dynamic because they're referencing things that are based on video, which you can't see, and which is unfortunate sometimes. And so I think that, you know, that video aspect of it can also be problematic because you get used to engaging each other and you and I can see each other right now. And, and you know, our inflections and, and even my hand movements or whatnot, you know, that's part of the conversation, but nobody else will ever know that or see, you know, hear that, you know, within a, within an audio podcast. So, you know, th- there can be problems that way too. And, and of course, in this day of, of folks' schedules, you know, internet bandwidth, you, know, you, you attach that uh, video to it. Everybody expects 1080, you know, that's a, that's a far cry from a, from a, a 720, you know, high def audio <laughs> up to a 1080 video for sure. Exactly. Let's get into some of your guests. You know, as of recording this, and this will go live next week, but as of recording this, you've had Katarina Nash, Gary Gleason from WTB, and you've had Jason Mosler, which I had to laugh when it, when I uh, first turned this podcast on because you introduced him as the CEO of Evil. <laughs> yeah. And how often in anyone's career uh, can you can you can you say that you know unless it's a Mike Myers movie you know of, of Austin Powers you know that the CEO of Evil and of course it's Evil Bicycles up out of Bend Oregon and, and he's like a family member of the Downeyville Classic and it's you know I guess I'm fortunate through decades of you know meeting folks that were pro writers at the time superstars at the time that would become you know meccas of the industry either for support or like Katarina she didn't stop you know when she when she left. You know, when when she emerged from behind the Iron Curtain, you know, as a teenager, then became an Olympian, five-time Olympian, both bike, you know, bike and ski. Um, and she's still racing today, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but man, she is, she's still kicking it strong. So I've been fortunate, you know, to, to have met those people. So it's been kind of an, an easy 
uh, guest list uh, to begin with, but that presents its problems too. Cause you know, it's when you know somebody like Jason, I've known for a long time, I've known Katerina from a long time, but not like Jason. So then it's the, the it's like, Oh damn it. I, I got to ask her like some real questions. And she's a professional interviewer cause she's been a pro for so long that, you know, I need to make sure I'm doing this right. Otherwise she's going to eat me alive. <laughs> well, and I think you say she's literally, she's racing today. I think she might literally be racing today because I believe she's down in South Africa racing the Cape Epic. Oh yeah. And yeah, she's out. Yeah. She, um, she actually had to push her interview with me up early, uh, because she was heading out to South Africa. And, and strangely enough that day I interviewed her, you know, mid morning Pacific time. And that afternoon she had a time trial for the Arizona, uh, the cactus cup in Arizona. So yeah, she's a mover and a shaker, but it's, you know, it's, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. I'm always really critical as I'm sure you can understand, always critical of myself and, oh man, did that, did that come off right? You know, I'm, I'm so green and new that, you know, I hope the listeners at least enjoy the conversation and trying to keep it within the, the Donnyville classic pipeline. But uh, so far I've been blessed with, with good guests. And, and I just did a, a, another one yesterday, Paul Price from Paul Components, and that one will be out, you know, in, in, in the coming weeks, but yeah, so far it, it's been fun. Well, and sticking on Katerina, and this is going to tie back into Downeyville, one of the things that really struck me during her interview was that she talked about flying over from Europe to race Downeyville, winning Downeyville, and then going back to Mount St. Anne and winning Mount St. Anne in a, in a matter of two weeks. Yeah, she got her, she got her World Cup win, you know, in Mount St. Anne, and that is impressive no, no matter what. And yeah, and, and obviously, if, if folks, if you do, uh, when, when Katarina's uh, a show is, is uploaded, it's uploaded right now, you can find it. But, uh, but when it's publicly, uh, you know, via social media, as we publicly announce everything. Yeah, if you listen to the show, you'll find out that, yeah, she was even had reservations. Ah, you know, I'm, I'm already in Europe. Do I fly back? You know, do, do, I, do I go to the Donnyville Classic? And, you know, she said, eh, you know what? I'm not going to win the World Cup. So I'll go race. I'll go race the Donnyville Classic. And, and sure enough, what did she do the week after? She won the World Cup <laughs> or a World Cup race. So yeah, she's a, she's a machine. She's the, has won the most Downeyville Classics as far as the all-mountain category. When we instituted the all-mountain category, um, and she's got a few other strong pro ladies that are, that are right behind her there. And uh, with Kelly Emmett, Rachel Lloyd, just some, some super strong lady riders that we've had at the Downeyville Classic. But yeah, and, and Katarina goes even beyond that. Our lost and found gravel grinder, she's been on that podium multiple times. And I know this because, it, you know, at some point, you know, a face with a name, I just see him walk onto the podium and I already know who they are because I've said their name so many times and that number one spot, number two spot, number three spot. But yeah, she's, she's been great. Well, let's stick with the Downeyville Classic. You know, the all-mountain category is something that we talked about it a little bit with Greg Williams, and he kind of alluded to the fact that you have to, and people that have raced it know this, that you have to race the same bike with the same tires. And one of the things that keeps coming up with your guests that you've had on so far is like finding that perfect combination. And that's something to me that I don't know of any other, I, I follow a lot of racing. I don't know of another race like that in the world where they actually check your tires and make sure you're running the same tires. But I have a question on that. What if you flat on one day? Do you have to like put an insert in? Like, how do you get around that? So there, yeah. And, and, and the all mountains stem from the early days of the Downeyville Classic where you could race the downhill by itself or you could race the cross country. And of course, the, the Downeyville downhill, you know, it, it started gaining popularity. You know, just this brutal 15 plus mile, 5,000 vertical feet of drop point to point 
Um, and there's pedaling, you know, and, and, and it's going to, at the time, you know, it was taking, you know, riders 50 minutes, even pro riders, 50 minutes, a 50 minute downhill. People were like, what? That's insane. But it became so popular that we had to do something where we could still, you know, push people towards the cross country. Uh, and, and the only way to do that, especially with the downhill being on Sunday afternoon and having to open all those roads in Downeyville and Main Street Downeyville, uh, was to create the all mountain, all mountain world championships. And as you said, Yes, you ride the 27-mile point-to-point cross-country and the downhill on the exact same bike, and we weigh it. So, you know, any changes that you make, you have to make them in such a way that it's going to weigh exactly the same. I mean, literally within, you know, grams, you know. So, and as you said, Downeyville, yes, it eats tires. No matter if it's the cross-country or the downhill, uh, they both eat tires. So, we do have a provision where, you know, someone brings their you know, they're blown out tire. And as long as they can replace it with exactly the same or something that has the same weight, you know, we'll, we'll let them go ahead and run it, uh, at that level. Cause you know, we want, we want the competitors to be up there and, uh, but the, but the same token though, they could, they could bust a crank, uh, snap off a pedal and it, it can create uh, quite an interesting scenario, you know, as, as the, as the bike you're riding. And of, of course you heard, you know, Jason talk about it extensively, Jason Mosler, you know, and, and his time with WTB, how he and Mark Weir, uh, definitely one of the best downhillers that Donnyville's ever seen, you know, just tires and tires and tires. Okay. What are, let's, let's bring on the next, let's put on the next set. Let's try it out. What are we going to do? How much pressure to run? Can we shave weight off the bike and get heavier tires? But yeah, the early days of the downhill were, you know, you had Santa Cruz V tens and intense and Y bikes. And I mean, you know, bikes that weighed, it weighed as much as an e-bike does now, you know, and massive suspension, even though they had to do a little bit of uphill pedaling for one small section. And then, you know, the, the lower divides are downhill, but they're almost flat. Whereas the all mountain, that bike would never work. Cause you're never gonna, <laughs> you'd have to be the mountain goat of mountain goats to pedal something like that for, for 27 miles. But yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a unique challenge. I think people really enjoy it. And I agree. I don't think it exists in any other format. And I think that's appealing to folks too. You know, in Katerina's interview, she was talking about, you know, wanting to bring her, she's been waiting a couple of years now because of the, the, the lapse with everything that's gone on in the world to bring her uh, specialized Epic Evo. Cause you know, and that's, I guess, however you want to say it, I call it trail light. Some people call it down country, whatever it is like bikes have gotten so much better. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, she, it'll be interesting to see what she does on the bike, you know, uh, their manufacturers have come to Downeyville, you know, with bikes with no name and, you know, Santa Cruz has done the same. I, I think some of the, the suspension, um, you go back to like the VPP, you know, and, and, you know, that was coveted and, and of course, uh, patented it, you know, until that patent was released. And, um, you know, of course, Santa Cruz, you know, ran with that for, for some time. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of a Mecca of, of build your bike for Downeyville and, and you've built a bike that will be an enduro mountain trail bike for pretty much any other condition on earth. I mean, within reason. So it, it's always interesting to see, you know, what the, what the pros are going to be riding, what their manufacturers have sent, you know, knowing that it's the all mountain and, and what that test is going to look like, you know, by the time Sunday evening rolls around. So one of the things about this race that's captured my attention is that you guys take this part super seriously to the point where you're weighing bikes, making sure people have the same tires, but then you have things like the Yuba invitational that happened or have happened like the the not so serious part of this event it's such a weird dynamic of like we're going to be super serious about this but then we have you know we have the river jump 
Ron's house of big air, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, we wanted to create a festival and, you know, when, when bike racing, especially mountain bike racing started to, you know, really grow, um, you know, there are a lot of small courses that were laps, you know, beginners would ride, you know, a five mile lap and then, you know, experts with two or three laps, you know, pros would maybe even do four, you know, but many times these were in areas where, you know, there, there were good trails, really good riding trails, but it just kind of became, you know, the norm of you show up, um, you pay your fee. If you make the podium, you get your medal, you got the picture with the, you know, the poster and the banner in the background and, and you go home and, you know, Downeyville is a destination and we wanted families to come. We wanted friends to come. We wanted the support folks to come and you have to provide them some entertainment as well. So yes, you know, two days of, of, you know, grueling cross country and downhill, uh, but then there's some fun, you know, built into it. And of course, Ron's house of big air. Uh, Greg Williams, his father, you know, Ron Williams and Greg, they came up with that uh, over over some beverages and, um, you know, kind of kind of laughable at first. And then, wow, that's a great idea, actually, especially at the confluence of the Yuba and the Downey uh, right there in Downeyville, deep enough water hole where we could build an 80 foot ramp with a six foot kicker and uh, launch people airborne and have them land in the water. And it took off and, you know, it's been going ever since. And so those type of items we've always tried to add Cosmos Wild Island you know, an eight by eight floating platform uh, out on the river that's, you know, anchored by rope. You have to ride a, basically a 40 foot section of it's two feet wide on plywood that's floating and eight foot section. So e- each eight foot section has a, you know, a hinge on it. So <laughs> you've got to get out there, uh, drink a beverage and then ride back. Now getting out there is a lot easier than getting back because you've got this, you know, ramp that you can kind of ride down and get your momentum. But Starting on an eight foot by eight foot platform and getting your your cadence ready on that small bike. You're not riding your mountain bike. You're riding a kid's bike. And of course, it's like cycle cross. We've got people throwing beverages at you, squirt guns, splashing you. Uh, yeah, it, you know those type of things really kind of bring the family environment. We we have it set up so kids can do it. We have a kids ramp. Yeah, the log pool. Yeah, that one's probably more dangerous to the spectators that are wearing sandals and flip flops uh, than it is to anyone dragging a six foot you know, 80 pound log down main street of Downeyville with a, with a cruiser bike and one speed is good times. And then of course, live entertainment, you know, we throw music bands, whatever we can do to, to make it more of a festival atmosphere. We want people to come and stay, you know, not your typical, uh, you know, nothing to, to harp on the old business park road criteriums, you know, where you'd go out to the business park on Saturday because nobody's out there. They do 40 laps in this business park. Again, get your medal, go home. Thanks. That's, that's, that's not what we do. We're going to stay on dirt magic. We're going to go back to dirt magic, I should say. If you have, I don't know, somebody might have not ever seen this, but if you've been living under a rock and you've never seen the actual movie Dirt Magic, it's a very good video graphic depiction of this. And what brought that into my brain, because I didn't have this written down, is you've had people rollerblading pulling the log. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, boy. The, the, the boys from Pit Viper. Pit Viper sunglasses. Yes. And well, that was that was a magical moment. Those two, you know, I, I don't think anybody could party those two guys, party harder than those two guys did in Donnyville that weekend. But yes, they were the first and only time ever uh, that the log has been pulled by something other than a bike. And yeah, they, they strapped the rope across the shoulder, um, got the rollerblades on. And man, I thought, no way. There's no way that this is ever going to happen. And he did it. And boy, he pulled that log all the way at speed. 
got down to the finish line and, and polished off that beverage because that's part of the log pool as, as far as your time. And yeah, that video will, will live in infamy. Uh, not not to steal a quote from from history, but uh, but it's a great it's a great video. It's great pictures and and yeah, I mean that's that's just part of dirt magic. You know, every everything we do with our events, um, the bottom line, you know, it doesn't go in our pockets. It doesn't go to a big promoter um, or a huge you know global race promoter. It goes right back to the trails in the La Sierra. And uh, so you know, having that kind of fun and and still raising some funds at the end is, is truly dirt magic. And we coined that term and the awesome people at Patagonia ran with it and said, Hey, we want to come pay and produce a film about the Downeyville classic in Downeyville. And yeah, definitely just look it up. It's on YouTube. You know, if you type in Patagonia and dirt magic, you'll go right to it. It's a great film. And it kind of gives you the idea of how we started, where we were and where we were headed. Yeah, it is. It is a good film. And I even saw it on a big screen back in, I think it was 2019. It was definitely pre-pandemic. As part of the Five Point Film Festival. Yeah, they really, that one really branched out and took off. And, and of course, when you've got a powerhouse like, you know, Patagonia behind it, I mean, that, that tends to help. And, uh, you know, Ken Etzel and, and his production uh, company that, that filmed it, um, I think it was, uh, what is it, uh, film once, cut twice, or it's the opposite of what you should ever do when, when, you're, when you're measuring, you know, measure once, <laughs> cut twice. But, but they did such a good job and it, it really did get a really good reception and not only from the, the cycling community, but I think from, from communities that were looking, you know, as recreation, as a, as a potential, you know, not a savior, you know, we're not, we're not saving towns. Uh, you know, we're, I think we're helping, you know, we're adding to what potentially could be, uh, you know, future, you know, monetary gains and support for towns that, especially in the La Sierra where, where resource extraction was everything it was gold mining and, and logging. You know, and that's all trickled down to almost nothing. And, and these towns were built on it. You know, at one point, Downeyville almost became the capital of California. I think it lost by one or two votes. And, um, you know, it had, you know, 5,000 people, you know, at one point, you know, back in history, you know, during the gold rush. And, you know, now the population's 400. And for one weekend in July, we graciously take it back to about 4,000. <laughs> you know, it's, and that's such a common theme within mountain biking, you know. So I live in the upper Midwest. There's a place, called Copper Harbor that literally is a destination because it doesn't, nothing goes through it. It's the, it's the tip of a peninsula out in the middle of Lake Superior. And it too was built 100% on, on copper mining. And much like Downeyville, at the turn of the century, there is more people living in that peninsula than there was in Chicago. And it almost became the state capital, if I remember right, for the same exact reasons. But now 90 people live in Copper Harbor, except for when there's mountain biking in town and there's other stuff there too, but that's definitely what it's mostly known for these days. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, the early days of mountain biking, you know, in many towns too, and especially Downeyville, there's a lot of friction, a lot of pushback, you know, our quaint little town, um, you know, in the early days too, there were, you know, multiple restaurants that were still open. You know, the, the grocery store was, you know, was still a real grocery store, you know, it wasn't just a mini market. And, and a lot of locals have lived there generationally for their entire lives and, and family lives. So it was a big pushback because, you know, mountain bikers, we were like the skaters, you know, we were the skateboarders of SoCal coming in, just rabble rousers, hippies, no money, you know, they're going to pull up your VW and, and, you know, the van down by the river, um, you know, thanks Chris Farley, but you know, it, it, we've changed it over, over more than two decades. We've changed that sentiment, not for everyone. And of course, some of, you know, have gone back to the earth <laughs> from the earth, back to the earth. But, you know, I think we've changed the dynamic enough to show that outdoor recreation, even beyond cycling. And that's why when we first created the Sierra Beach Trail Stewardship, 
it's called a stewardship. You know, it wasn't called a, a mountain biking stewardship because we knew that those trails that had been used by miners, native peoples, resource extraction that we turned into these just epic trails to enjoy. Well, they can be enjoyed by anybody. Mountain bikes, motorcycles, equestrians. I mean, kayakers, you'll catch like right now, this time of year, there's probably kayakers. Um, they'll drive up Lavazola Road and then they'll get on to Third Divide and carry their kayak up to the best point that they possibly can before they hit snow to jump in the, get in the river and get the best rapids, you know, all the way down. So it was, you know, mountain biking started it. It was the spark and it was definitely, you know, some rough waters and rough years, you know, trying to convince people that, hey, we're, this can be a good thing. You know, of course, then it took a little bit of time for people to figure out that, hey, you know, a lot of these mountain bikers actually have some money. They'll, they'll stay in the hotel. They'll go to a restaurant. And, and that helped. It really did truly help Downeyville. There were times there where during the week, even for locals, there's no restaurant open on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, even a Thursday, nothing. And, um, you know, now there's, you know, you got a pizza place, uh, the local bike shop, Downeyville Outfitters, uh, his wife is Sabrina's at the Forks, you know, it's a cafe, uh, lunch, you know, they've got adult beverages on tap. La Cocina de Oro is a Mexican food restaurant. Feather, she does an awesome job. Boomtown Lounge. And it's, you know, for the locals now, they've got eating out options, you know, that can happen multiple days during the week. Whereas, you know, in years past, um, and the, you know, in the wintertime, nothing. So. Yeah. And that's a topic that I like to explore a lot with the Trail Effect podcast, because it, it <laughs> does bring, bring amenities to locals that they wouldn't otherwise have. And that's something that we're seeing in, in outdoor recreation in general, not just mountain biking. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, one of the largest industries in the United States. I mean, you see it up there with like medical insurance, you know, and, and, you know, it's a multi, multi-billion dollar industry. And, Definitely for these small communities when done responsibly. And it's what we're trying to do with our connected communities. And, you know, that is dirt magic for us, you know, being responsible, respecting, you know, not only those that came before us and those that own the land, especially the native peoples. And, you know, these are public lands that were once there. So, you know, the fact that it's public lands now for us, let's find a way to respect it, you know, and and bring responsible outdoor recreation to these smaller communities, help the businesses. And, you know, I love Moab. Moab is a spectacular place. But Moab can, can become like Disneyland, you know, at certain times where it is so busy, you're just like, man, I, I just, I don't want to be there. And again, nothing against Moab, but, you know, what we're trying to do is, is spread those people out, you know, through the La Sierra, let them enjoy Donnyville, the Lakes Basin, the Quincy area, Lassen County, you name it. And, uh, and, and if we can bring, you know, a little revitalization to local businesses and, and potentially keep some folks, you know, where the kids go away to college or trade school or whatever and go, yeah, you know what? I'm going back home. It's a really good place. I don't want to live anywhere else. Then I, I, I think that we've kind of created a success story and some of that won't be realized probably till long after, uh, you know, we're, you and I are gone, but hopefully we've left a legacy for, for the youngins to, to carry that torch. Yeah. Well, before we wrap this one up, I'm going to flip this on to you because I know you <laughs> said you'd, you wouldn't really be able to answer this in other interviews that you've done with other people. So I, that was like the moment that I had to add this. And it might be hard for you to answer it. And I'm going to say, probably go with what comes to your head first. What's the craziest or most memorable moment you've had from Downey, from the Downeyville Classic? Ooh, boy. You know, <laughs> I, I would have to say there was a night, you know, Greg, he may have mentioned this on Trail Effect and I'll have to, I'm, I'm maybe copying now, but uh, well, here, here's the first one would definitely be the midnight or one o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning river jump. And of course, you know, the, the ramp is built. And, you know, we try to have it fully functional by Friday. 
this is probably a, a Thursday night uh, after we've all been stuffing at the time rider bags. You know, at those time, you know, we try to get sponsors, stickers, pay, you know, you name it. I mean, you remember the rider bags because they all end up on the on the ground, you know, the day of the race or in the garbage cans. But, you know, many beverages uh, stuffing those bags and then, you know, get out to Downeyville and somebody says, hey, let's, let's do a let's do a late night or early morning river jump. So we pull off the the plywood blocking the ramp from keeping people from doing this. And uh, yeah, proceeded uh, for quite a few of us to do some river jumps. And a uh, good thing that one of our super volunteers and lifelong uh, friends of the Downeyville Classic, Metal Mike, always had a video camera attached. And we're talking old school now, like Super 8 or maybe even something before that. Videotaping everything. And thank goodness that that videotape is grainy because most people wouldn't know it's you except you. And of course, somebody called the cops because, you know, we were being as quiet as drunken people can be jumping off uh, a a ramp into the river. And here comes the sheriff's deputy and shining a light down there. And boy, it was scatter like roaches, like high school kids at a, at a, at a kegger and the cops, (laughs) you gotta, you gotta go. And boy, I tell you what, people scrambled, people were being pushed down, running through the the blackberry bushes, hope, you know, hoping nobody tries to cross the river, you know, being drunk and getting to the deep water. But uh, yeah, and then and then kind of everybody not saying a word the next day, almost like crickets. Like, yeah, what what was that all about? Nothing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> too too afraid that it would come out to to the locals or we were going to get in trouble. But that that's that's definitely uh, that's probably definitely one of the most the most fun ones. Yeah, and risque, I guess, at that point. <laughs> Well, it's funny because Greg did tell that story and I think you're the one that fed me that story to ask him, but he definitely put a little bit different twist on it. And the best part about stories like this story, much like Gary Gleason's story of the Yuba Invitational, is that each person has their own twist on it. So even though it's the same event, it's not the same story. Yeah, and that's true. And, and you know what? My, uh, my other memorable moment is probably historical now because without it, I may not be sitting here talking to you. And it was either in 2002 or 2003, you know, we had someone that kind of helped us. He was a, a, a photographer, worked for, you know, many, you know, multiple cycling magazines, wrote stories, took great photos. And, um, you know, we didn't really have an announcer per se for the Downeyville Classic, but he'd walk around with a megaphone, you know, and, and a small speaker, you know, it was all plugged in early days of battery. That thing probably, you know, weighed 75 pounds because it was big old massive car battery, probably powering it. And, you know, he would do announcements for any type of little event that we were doing, but, you know, nothing sponsor wise or, or race worthy. And he got, and he, he got sick. And uh, that year he wasn't able to come to the Downeyville Classic. And we were kind of missing that um, element. And just as a fluke, I actually had a, a sound system with me from, from my band at the time. And I think we used it to play like loud music for the river jump. You know, I had it just, you know, basically just like a small PA setup, but we could just blast, you know, rock music for the river jump. So we used that and I got on the microphone and started making some announcements, did the awards, uh, announced, you know, the winners getting on the podium, you know, made other specific announcements throughout the day. And it was just, you know, the, the light bulb clicked and, and, you know, that Sunday night, uh, Greg and, you know, other folks came up and went. I think we found your new job and, uh, and there it began. And from after that, it was full blown announcing at, at the Downeyville classic, still my equipment for a couple of years, uh, until we started hiring cause we needed more, you know, we needed to expand. And then now we have a company called the farm that they just come in and they donate everything and just kick ass. I mean, 
it's, you know, they're a professional company that give us tens, 20, 30, who, who knows how many tens of thousands of dollars worth of, uh, you know, worth of, of equipment and, and their time. But it all started just back as a fluke, just picking up a microphone one day and go, yeah, I'll fill in, I'll fill in. And, uh, and here we are. <laughs> well, Marty, the voice of the Downeyville Classic, quite literally. Do you have yes. anything you'd like to wrap up with? Any kind of call to action for listeners, you know, stuff to check out, stuff we haven't talked about, shout outs, all those things that we can, that you can plug before we uh, send this one into the world? Well, first and foremost, you know, visit sierratrails.org and, and that points you in the right direction. That gets you to our events. It tells you what we do as an organization, who we are. It tells you about our legacy project, Connected Communities. Uh, but, but, you know, ultimately be an advocate for outdoor recreation, be an advocate for trails, you know, getting outside and, and definitely, you know, this may sound a little bit self-serving, but you know, there, there are great podcasts out there. I mean, trail effect gears, Joss, of course, you know, listen to it. it it's important stuff. And, you know, you may be someone that's looking for a way to help, you know, to be a trail advocate, to be a volunteer, uh, and, and think there aren't avenues, but there are. And I know many of your guests, uh, I mean, just from across the nation, uh, you know, there's a plethora right there of information. So listen to that, you know, definitely, you know, t- tune into Dirt Magic. We'll see if we can keep this one going if you're you know, a little more localized here to the La Sierra. Uh, but yeah, get involved. It's the best way to do it. Get out, swing a McLeod, swing a Pulaski, um, dig some dirt, you know, enjoy the, the folks in the outdoors and, and help, you know, the organizations that, uh, you know, keep the, the public lands open. That's the most important thing because otherwise... You know, that urban jungle is just going to continue to become a jungle. And, and that's not very much fun. Well, Marty Scheel, thank you again for your time today. I really appreciate all of this and being able to get your message out again. And this is a unique twist on, on the La Sierra. And I'm, I'm, when I, I'll be honest, like I'm a, I'm a podcast junkie. I mean, strangely enough, right? <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> and when I, like when I first saw that you had this going live, I think it was last Friday I saw it. I was like, oh, I got to totally tune into this. And then I ju- jumped in. I'm like, oh, you got more shows there. But like you said, you're going to release those publicly via social media and all that. But it's, it's an awesome thing to see. And I'm so glad you're doing it. Yeah. And we're new and we, you know, we have to, you know, I, I like your format, you know, you can't force feed people too many things. It's just like the world of social media. You know, if you do three posts a day, five days a week, six days a week, it's, it's like me, you know, because like I'll pay attention to a subject because I have to, but otherwise it just gets watered down. And, and the reason we, to folks, um, just so they could see some of the caliber of guests we were going to have and, and to give people an idea of what the show was going to be about. But it'll become more of a regular release of up into the Downeyville Classic for the Downeyville sessions. Uh, and then after that, yeah, it's, it's pure dirt magic. And uh, you know, we hope to follow suit and be as successful as, as Trail Effect. If we can even get a portion of that, then uh, we're doing something right. <laughs> I, I, think, I think you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Josh, thank you so much for, for allowing this today. It's an honor to be here with you. And uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, thank you very much. I hope you liked the conversation with Marty, the voice of the Downeyville Classic and the Dirt Magic Podcast. Next week, we'll head back east and have a conversation with Nick Bennett, the executive director of the Vermont Mountain Bike Association. If you like what you have heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect Podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Please don't forget to leave a rating and review if you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect Podcast. Also, don't forget to check out Cooley Creative at www.dojacenter.com. That's www.dojacenter.com 
to get all the goods at Cooley Creative. I'd like to thank all the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. With that, the value for value concept is something that has caught my attention. If you find value in the Trail Effect podcast, you now have a way to provide value for that value via Patreon for Trail Effect. For additional ways to help support the Trail Effect podcast, check out the affiliates link on the Trail Effect website where you can find links to Kettle Mountain Apparel, Worldwide Cyclery, and Trail One Components. By using the affiliate links tab found at www.traileffect.com, a small commission will come back to the podcast, which helps keep this thing going. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. Thank you again for listening. Mm-hmm.